At the beginning of May this year, the debate over whether St. Louis and St. Louis County should merge appeared to be over. That's because backers of the Better Together plan pulled their effort to create a metro city encompassing the city and the county. But speaking to reporters at the Whitmore House, outgoing Washington University Chancellor Mark Wrighton made a prophetic prediction. Even though this unpopular plan would not be going before statewide voters, Wrighton believed that the discussion over whether St. Louis and St. Louis County should remain separated was not finished. Well, it's omnipresent. Uh, These problems are not going away. And I would say for many in our community, there's a sense of urgency. Flash forward to the present day, and the city-county merger debate is heating up again with the formation of what's historically known as the Board of Freeholders. That 19-member body could present some sort of consolidation plan to St. Louis and St. Louis County residents. Ironically, one of Better Together's strongest critics, the Municipal League of Metro St. Louis, gathered the necessary signatures for the appointment of the freeholders. And the group's leader, Pat Kelly, says a central focus will be on whether St. Louis should be a municipality within St. Louis County. The two questions that people seemed to ask me the most were, why isn't St. Louis part of St. Louis County? And the second one is, why should it be part of St. Louis County? And so I think we need to answer those questions and and then uh, see if that's a viable uh, step to the future for St. Louis. Proponents of the freeholders process believe that it gives local residents control over their own governmental destiny as compared to statewide voters in the Better Together plan. But others like St. Louis Alderman Jack Coder are taking a dimmer view on the path ahead, contending there are too many political and financial hurdles to make the freeholder process succeed. This is going to be hard to do locally. And, you know, I'm a little skeptical that we'll get it done, Uh, especially, you know, the municipal league. If you start to involve all those municipal mayors, you know, the folks who are have the loudest voices in that organization are the folks who don't want to see any change. St. Louis Public Radio's Joe Manis joins me to break down the process and track record for the Board of Freeholders. We'll also hear from the We Live Here team about how that show's latest season explores the opportunities and pitfalls of a city-county merger. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and this is Politically Speaking. The Municipal League started gathering signatures to launch the freeholders process soon after the Better Together plan was announced in late January. Originally, it was a rival approach to Better Together, which for a time seemed to be barreling toward the 2020 statewide ballot. Most of the guidelines for the Board of Freeholders are laid out in the Missouri Constitution. St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruson and St. Louis County Executive Sam Page will have to appoint nine board members apiece. Governor Mike Parson will pick the final member. The St. Louis Board of Aldermen and the St. Louis County Council must approve Cruson and Page's picks. Some of the roughly 70 people who applied to be county appointees include doctors, lawyers, and business owners. And Glendale City Administrator Ben DeClue was one of roughly 100 city residents who sought to become a member of the Board of Freeholders. I think everybody's interested in in a discussion. Um, I think the important thing now is to define, well, look, what are the problems we're actually trying to solve? And then from there, what are some possible solutions that we think um, the public would be interested in, in taking a stab at? Once all the members are selected and approved, the board will meet later this year at St. Louis City Hall to begin deliberations. Board members could eventually ask voters to combine certain services, which occurred in the 1950s with the Metropolitan Sewer District. The board could also present a plan to somehow combine St. Louis and St. Louis County, or it could offer up nothing. 
St. Louis County Councilwoman Lisa Clancy says the freeholders process offers up an opportunity for the public to come forward and provide their thoughts about the future of the St. Louis region. I do feel like, you know, even even when I'm out in my community and in my district, people do care about collaboration. They're concerned about the silos that we tend to operate in and they see how that impacts um, even quality of life for all of us. So I think there's a lot of opportunities here. You know, I'm hesitant to comment on specific outcomes because to me, I think the process is going to be an important part of the outcome. I would like to see this board um, really start with some deep community engagement. During a St. Louis on the Air appearance, Kelly said that the people picked to serve on the Board of Freeholders should be prepared for passionate feedback from the general public. People that you pick are going to have to be able to sit there and have people yell at them and scream at them. And, Sounds like and, a nightmare. Right, and and a lot of business leaders aren't able to do that, you know. Um, uh, but it's just, that's that public process, you know, and, and people are, are very passionate. The board will have a year to come up with a plan and present it to voters. And if city and county residents approve the proposal, it will go into effect. Page says whether this Board of Freeholders process is successful depends on what's in the plan. He says previous efforts collapsed because proponents tried to do too much. It has to pass St. Louis County voters. It has to pass St. Louis County or St. Louis City voters. And if it doesn't, we have nothing. So my recommendation to them would be to take a small step forward in regional governance that allows us to continue to address um, the disparities and inequities and in inclusion challenges that we have in our community. Joining me now in studio is Joe Manis. Joe, you were around the last time the Board of Freeholders was launched. What transpired? Okay, uh, boiling it into a nutshell, in the late 80s, uh, beginning in January of 88 through the middle of 89, um, there was a Board of Freeholders. It was um, really had been the brainchild of then County Executive Gene McNary, who was really trying a Republican who really wanted to reduce the number uh, municipalities. Uh, Vince Shamel, then the mayor of St. Louis, was also heavily involved. Uh, the two got together. The, the Board of Freeholders officially uh, went into operation in January 1988, but almost immediately they were hit with a bunch of lawsuits uh, questioning their constitutionality. At the time, the, the uh, state constitution required that they be uh, property owners, that and, you had to be a property owner. And this question went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Correct, correct. And I think it was kind of interesting because eventually the state Supreme Court ruled in favor of that requirement, but then eventually the feds jumped in, and in the Jan June of 1989, the U.S. Supreme Court voted 9-0 to zero that that was improper. You couldn't require they be property owners. And in fact, that decision pretty much killed what had been basically an 18-month um, effort to get some stuff on the ballot. There had been different false starts, and they were just getting ready to finally have a vote on um, some proposals. It was At that point, it was just to uh, put together a region-wide a region um, economic commission, which we sort of have, and the they had bounced around different... Uh, municipality numbers, and they had settled on roughly on, on 37 by the time of the U.S. Supreme Court decision. Well, the whole vote was nullified. I mean, it never got to the voters because the Supreme Court jumped in 
shortly before they were supposed to vote. So that was sort of the end of it. And the intriguing thing to me was that this Board of Freeholders debate consumed the news for, like I said, 18 months. There was front page stories all the time about the number of municipalities they were proposing, which at the beginning they were proposing 21, then they went to 36, then they went to 42, then they went back to 37. You had, like you have now, a number of African-American officials who were concerned because this reduction was, uh, they felt, was targeting uh, North St. Louis County in particular and that it was going to unfairly uh, impact their political power. There was a big debate over whether or not the um, fire districts should be included, I mean, as far as reducing the number or doing something. Uh, but the bottom line was a key thread was in some way getting the city back into the county. And But as I said, when the Supreme Court ruled, that all died, and there was talk about resurrecting it at one point. Well, that was almost 30 years ago, so that was it. I think back in the 80s, one of the concerns was that if you bring the city in as a municipality into St. Louis County, it would mean Republicans could never win countywide office again because the city is like an 80 percent Democratic jurisdiction. And back then, the county was a Republican jurisdiction. But now the county has moved so far toward the Democratic column that I don't see a Republican winning countywide office maybe again in our lifetime. Do you think that the partisan concerns about a city-county merger are are less pronounced this time, or do you still think that'll be a problem if a plan is put forward? Well, I think it is less pronounced. Uh, there's no question. Although, if you look through the coverage in the late 80s when the Board of Freeholders was around, this the, the political issues that you raised really weren't discussed that much. It was sort of in part because at the time, uh, McNary, who was a Republican, and Shamel, who was a Democrat, had had a great relationship for about six years and had done some other stuff like uh, merging the the public hospital operations. Uh, now we don't have them, but at that time there was city and county hospitals. Um, so there was various, already a lot of cooperation going on. So the partisan aspect, I think, was less um, highlighted than it might even be discussed now. Now, basically what happened was after that Supreme Court decision, Bush won, who had won as president in late 1988, and in fact it was discussed at the time that the presidential election, because Missouri was a swing state, uh, was having some impact on the freeholders' uh, discussions and negotiations at the time. He won. He took office. He appointed McNary to a key immigration post, uh, and after that, it, it, it was less of a focus of county officials. Um, and then Vince Shamel ended up running for governor a couple years later and lost big. So the bottom line was everybody moved on and they just kind of let the whole freeholder effort die. And then during all this, as you just mentioned, the county was gradually becoming more Democratic anyway. So it, the re Republican interest in this whole idea just kind of died. Well, you mentioned lawsuits, and one potential legal issue that could come in the near future is about the timing of the appointment for the Board of Freeholders. According to the Missouri Constitution, it says that the mayor or the county executive shall, with the approval of the majority of the Board of Aldermen or the county council, appoint nine members of the board. And St. Louis Mayor Lida Krusen and St. Louis County Executive Sam Page 
have different interpretations of what 10 days mean. I am operating as if the Board of Aldermen has to approve them within the 10 days. Uh, I think there, there's, it's not crystal clear, but I'm operating to the more restrictive interpretation. The Constitution says that I have 10 days to appoint. Um, it says that my appointments have to be confirmed. Uh, I don't see those two linked, but and again, that's a, if that doesn't happen within 10 days, then that'll be um, a question for the courts to answer. Um, I intend to present my uh, appointees for confirmation within 10 days. If they're not confirmed for some reason, then um, you know I'll appoint more. So Joe, if one of the jurisdictions doesn't approve the nominees within that 10-day window, could you see somebody who doesn't like the freeholders process filing a lawsuit and trying to scuttle the entire enterprise? Sure. I mean, especially just because of how you read it, you can really see where there could be a difference of agreement on what that phrase actually means. And you could end up basically a replay, but on a different angle, of the court fight that pretty much overshadowed the last board of freeholders in the late 80s. Because while they were dealing with all these um, uh, substantial issues uh, in the county and the city, there was this court fight looming over them that was sort of taking place in the background. And they had all these um, events where, okay, we're outlawed. All right, now we're reinstated. I mean, this went on for months. And so that kind of, I think, killed their momentum too. And I could see a replay of that just on a different issue. We'll be right back right after this message. The emergence of the Board of Freeholders isn't being universally embraced, even by Better Together supporters who are philosophically aligned to the idea of a city-county merger. For those that don't know, here's some basic details about the Better Together plan. It would have created a metro city with authority over economic development, public safety, and transportation policy within the city and county. And even before the proposal became public, it faced a torrent of scorn from across the political spectrum. Some were upset that the plan was being taken to statewide voters as opposed to local ones. Others balked at initially making former St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger the powerful metro mayor, a move that backfired after the Democratic official resigned amid corruption charges. The close proximity between the full collapse of Better Together and the emergence of the Board of Freeholders isn't sitting well with Cruson. This would not be my favorite time to establish a board of freeholders. Every day there's a lot of chaos still caused by uh, the difficulties surrounding the Stanger administration. And you almost can't pick up the paper or listen to the radio any day and not hear something about that. Cruson was a Better Together supporter, but she says she doesn't anticipate appointing any staff members from that group to the board of freeholders, adding that she wants people with fresh ideas and open minds. I think we'd be better off not to do the board of freeholders now. But that's not my choice. Uh, the municipal league got the signatures. Uh, I now need to follow the law and appoint responsible people to have as best of an outcome as possible. I think the timing of it is poor. It's not just the timing that's making people skeptical about the Board of Freeholders. Some believe that bringing St. Louis into St. Louis County as a municipality presents a host of practical and political problems. One big issue is money. St. Louis County Councilman Mark Harder says unless key questions about the financial details of a merger are answered, any proposal will be a difficult sell to voters. Nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to talk about we need to come together. We need to merge our stats. We need to 
you know, have a kumbaya moment. And that's great, but there's a lot of things that have to be done. The day-to-day operations of government still have to be performed. Perhaps more than giving Stinger unprecedented decision-making power over policy and patronage, or even taking the plan to statewide voters, arguably the biggest reason for Better Together's demise was universal disapproval among African-American political leaders. Many did not like how the plan effectively eliminated the city's elected government and therefore shut off a key pipeline for black politicians to move up the political ladder. It also would have created a largely white voting jurisdiction to elect a mayor, assessor, and prosecutor for the metro government. Others, like Starsky Wilson, the co-chairman of the Ferguson Commission, didn't like how existing countywide officials would serve as the mayor, assessor, and prosecutor of the metro city, especially since city residents never voted for them. That a uh, plurality black city that would still be a municipal corporation would be operating with governance that it did not elect, never had an opportunity to elect it, and does not reflect it demographically or politically. Um, That is a definition of apartheid. The impending freeholders debate won't necessarily alleviate concerns about diminished black political power. That's because bringing in St. Louis as a municipality within St. Louis County would likely eliminate a slew of city offices that African-Americans hold, such as treasurer and license collector. It took decades for black politicians to capture these offices, which not only provide key city services, but are often springboards to develop strong political organizations. St. Louis recorder of deeds Michael Butler stressed that he's not upset about the prospect of losing his job and adds that he's optimistic that some good ideas can come out of the Board of Freeholders. But he also says that any plan that doesn't have buy-in from African-American political leaders and black voters is dead on arrival. As long as the result of anything that occurs in the Board of Freeholders results in African-Americans having places of power and elected positions, you'll see more African-Americans be on board with it. If the result of the Board of Freeholders is that African-Americans do not have important political positions, you'll clearly see uh, a backlash. Butler also warned that some of the impetuses behind a city-county merger, like combining St. Louis and St. Louis County statistics, could have some bad policy outcomes for African-Americans. That's what I think most African-Americans feel uh, most strongly about in a city-county merger is that their problems are going to be hidden within the new good statistics. Crime statistics, and in, 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 honestly, that's the result that most folks want. Crime statistics in the city are going to be, they're not going to, the, the, the problems are not going to go away. The statistics are just going to be hidden in, in bigger numbers. That um, poor folks who live in St. Louis County and St. Louis City, South City, South County, their statistics are going to be ignored. And while the Board of Freeholders will be able to tackle a whole bunch of key municipal issues, it won't be able to do anything to reorganize or combine city and county schools. St. Louis Alderman Brandon Bosley says not being able to touch that subject will upset African-American parents dissatisfied with the region's educational landscape. We have seen in the city time and time again that things are pretty racially uh, separated and a lot of things are racially motivated and racially charged. We run from that type of a stigma, but when you look at it statistically, that hunts us and will continue to hunt us until we address it. So given the Board of Freeholders' track record and the mountain of issues to sort out, can any merger plan? that members come up with be successful, voters will make the final call on that. But some people, like St. Louis County Councilwoman Kelly Dunaway, 
don't see an end of the so-called great divorce coming in the near future. In terms of do I think a merger is in our future, probably not. I think there are way too many deeply invested people in this system that I personally believe is broken. Um, I see a very us versus them mentality when it comes to the city and the county, and the county doesn't want to take any responsibility for or clean up the mess in St. Louis City. I guess you can't see the air quotes um, on the radio, but I, I think that it is a disservice to our entire region to not see that St. Louis County lives or dies by St. Louis City. For her part, Clancy says it's possible to recognize the challenges ahead for the Board of Freeholders, but still have some optimism about the outcome. I know I talk about the Ferguson Commission a lot, but when I think about what they were able to achieve in a very short period of time with, I think, 16 people that were appointed, I think there's probably a lot to learn in that process when it comes to community engagement and opportunities for the community to be heard about how to move our region ahead. A little bit of a different different uh, scope of work this time around, but um, you know, I hope that that's something that um, our leaders are thinking about as they are appointed to that table and even um, our leaders as in the mayor and the county executive are thinking about as they prepare to make appointments. Before we sign off today, I wanted to give our listeners a special treat, so to speak. So I have in studio three people that are going to be delving pretty deep into the question of the city-county merger. And we have... Ashley Renee. And... Jolyon Yang. And... Lauren Brown. They happen to be the co-hosts, co-conspirators of the We Live Here podcast. What would you call you all? That's right. So Ashley and I, Jalian, um, are the co-host producers, and Lauren is our associate producer. So as I just mentioned, the big topic you're going to be tackling in the near future is the city-county merger. And I want to give all three of you an opportunity to tantalize the listeners of both our podcast and your podcast about what's coming next. Well, the exciting thing about talking about a city-county merger, even though it sounds really you know, geeky policy governance, is that this is a once-in-a-generation conversation. Every once in a while in St. Louis, it pops up again. But for the first time, racial equity is on the table for this conversation. It's been talked about publicly as a way to sell the Better Together plan when it existed. But now, as we live here, co-hosts and an associate producer, we feel that it is our duty to make sure that racial equity stays a part of that conversation because there's a lot at stake, whether it's black representation, education, we could just go on about that. From my point of view, um, as a St. Louisan, um, just the thought of city and county merging just never popped in my head. I never imagined it. So from my uh, standpoint, I would say that covering this um this could be evergreen story, I think, hits on a lot of things like Josh said, education, housing, um, government, and we want to make sure that equity is at the top of that conversation. As a new transplant transplant to St. Louis, I think that the city-county merger conversation has really opened my eyes to not only what's going on in St. Louis, but what's going on in other parts of the country. And I think that we live here, we feel dedicated to this topic, and we want to make sure that not only St. Louisans, but people outside of St. Louis, since a good percentage of our listeners are from outside St. Louis, that they know that these topics aren't just about St. Louis and that you have to pay attention to the things that are going on in the government because you never know, you might make a wake up one day and you know, you're living in a new city. You mentioned that racial equity and I would just say the racial politics of the merger are going to be central. I, 
A lot of people have blamed the demise of Better Together on the fact that Steve Stanger was made the powerful Metro mayor, but I, I disagree. I think the near universal rejection of that plan among black political leaders, and I would assume a lot of black voters, was pretty paramount. Is that going to be something that you're going to be looking into for this upcoming season? Yeah, we'll definitely cover that. Something that's so important to our show is the characters, the stories that really make these policies and these changes come alive for people. Um, Like Ashley mentioned, there's a lot at stake and people who live here may not know what's happening. And so we really think that it takes actual voices, actual experiences to help people understand what's happening. So for example, we're gonna be talking to a group of black mayors who have been merging resources, already merging governments um, for a while. And we wanna know what their take has been on the Better Together plan and also what it takes to actually merge. We're also thinking about outside of St. Louis, uh, what other cities may have been facing the question of a city-county merger. From my perspective of it, I think that not just black leaders, but black residents, poor residents, uh, people of color, because I think um, certain communities just resonate beyond race. And we want to make sure that those folks have a voice in this conversation. So um, beyond the black representation, we want to make sure that other folks are being represented equally in this conversation. We have been trying our best to get both sides of the story. Um, We've learned through interviews and going through this process that not only was it a miscommunication and a lot of things like that, but I think that the representation is very important and you can't have a government that doesn't look like the people that live there. And I think that's the main um, thing that black political leaders and black residents wanted. And also just the voting aspect. You have to be able to vote on the things that are going on in your city, in your town. Now, I know you don't want to give away all of what's coming, but if there's something that you want to tease the listener to or provide something that may surprise the listener as kind of a preview, I want to give you this opportunity. All right. So I think there is an excellent surprise. When we think about what's happening around the city-county merger and when we imagine the stories that are happening, it can be really easy to think people are either for the merger or against the merger. And we are going to come out with some really nuanced stories. There's actually a person who was involved with maybe a plan to talk about the city-county merger, Big part was a big part of that plan, and found themselves on the outside of the plan and now has different ideas about that. And there's someone who has a lot of position in St. Louis and also finds themselves really entrenched and uh, grounded by racial equity. So I think listeners should really look forward to that episode. Just stay tuned because uh, just because you have folks that look like you doesn't necessarily mean that um, their your best interest is always at their heart. And so I think it's going to be surprising when folks realize that who is really for it and who is really against it. I'm very excited for the public response. I think a lot of people don't know what's going on. And I think once they listen to this season and especially the episodes that Ashley and Jai talked about, they will be able to understand, oh, my gosh, like this is this is something that happens this often and I didn't know about it. And so I'm very excited for the um, public reaction to what we come out with. So this is probably the most important question. When is the 
series or seasons on the merger starting and how can people listen to it? You can listen to We Live Here anywhere you get your podcast. That's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those platforms. The first episode of this season is October 24th. That's it for this week's edition of Politically Speaking. I want to thank Joe Manis and the We Live Here team for coming on the program. You can read all of our stories about St. Louis and state politics by going to stlpublicradio.org. Our editor is Fred Ehrlich, our executive editor is Shula Newman, and our sound engineer is John Larson. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and thank you for listening. <laughs>